Go on then. What are we watching? Oh, what about... Uh... In the... Uh, with Sky Stream. The new way to get Sky without a dish. Stream unmissable Sky exclusives like True Detective and Netflix shows like The Gentleman all in one place. For just €25 a month for 12 months. Search Sky Stream today. New customers only. 12-month minimum term. Requires broadband. Further terms apply. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Andrew Jenkinson, biatric surgeon, telling us why we eat too much and what we can do about it. When you look around the high streets, you'll see people with the condition, which I would call a disease because it is, it's called blockage of this weight regulation hormone. Walking around with six months, or you know, at the extreme, they could survive a year without eating. These extremely obese people who are 30 stone. And, and that's because their weight regulation signal, which is called leptin, is blocked. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. It's 30 years of Allianz supporting the leagues, and we're not done yet. Only the leagues, only the Allianz leagues. Well, it might be early in the year, but already we have been treated to some fireworks Crow Park on Saturday night. Both club finals went down to the absolute wire. A little later on in the show, we'll be joined by John Milan and Vincent Hogan to discuss all the Allianz Hurling League action as well as Bally Gunners. Dramatic victory over Bally Hale in the Hurling final at Crow Park. But first, Michael, we might discuss a bit of, you know, Kilku, Kilmacud. Like for both games to go down to the last kick of the game, pretty much, and for two goals to win it, is was just a crazy Saturday in Crow Park. Yeah, we've probably been crying out for, you know, when was the last time we had two really competitive finals that went down to the wire like that? Particularly the Hurling. Can't remember the last good club final. Probably Kula and Napiershik maybe to draw on the replay. And before that, we'd been waiting a while. And the football was not of a similar quality. It probably there's no point in saying any different. But once it went to extra time, it was just so dramatic. And for Kilku to win it the, day, the way that they did... And even the couple of minutes that played out after, just, yeah, so dramatic. A lovely clip going around last night. I, I'm not a big, big man on videos and pictures and people taking videos of everything and pictures of everything. But the video circulating there last night of Mickey Morn quietly walking back into the, the Hill 16 end and getting down on his knees and kissing the ground just inside the square, which should be mentioned, which some people are probably maybe questioning whether it should have been a square ball or not. But... For his body of work as a coach and a manager for the last the last probably four decades, like he he no man deserved that All Ireland Club success more than him. Um, and it was a beautiful picture Conor Laverty had up. Uh, I think it was last night on or it was the Saturday night on Twitter. His two young fellas uh, sleep in bed beside him back to back. The Andy Merrigan Cup in the middle of them. Mm-hmm. Kilku uh, duvet cover everything. It was just. An amazing, uh, an amazing final. But Jesus, you really had to feel sorry for Kilmacud, who had dominated the game in extra time. Um, just such a dramatic day in Crow Park. Yeah, I just, I, I know it's going to sound quite cynical, but how someone doesn't haul down one of the two, you know, Kilku guy or Bally Gunner guy as they're making no charge on goal, you you can concede a free and concede a point, but like it's a goal that'll kill you. So maybe I'm just a cynical guy, but I think that would be my first protocol. No, well, listen, particularly like you're obviously a Dublin, there's a Dublin team involved and you, you do, you're, you're like, when it's a neutral, you want everything to go. You're not saying, why does he pull him down? But when you have a little mm. bit of a vested interest, you would, you would think that. And uh, it was mad to see that they got themselves in that position. They were almost lining up to take a shot on goal. It was, it was crazy. But um, yeah, just uh, club finals day. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen a, a, a one as dramatic as that in, in I don't know how long. And it was... 
the perfect way to finish what's been a really brilliant club campaign, hurling and football. Absolutely brilliant, exactly. And the league is starting to hot up nicely as well. We're delighted to be joined on the Throne Podcast in association with Ali and for our hurling chat this week by Vincent Hogan and John Milan. Guys, how are things? And John, before we get into the Alliance League action, first we have to start off with Bally Gunners' uh, hurling final triumph against Bally Hale at the weekend. Waterford's first ever All Ireland club title. You know what? What does it mean to the county? Like, do you think that could be a real benefit or a boost to the inter county team even going forward? Oh, 100 percent. Uh, a remarkable game, a remarkable finish to the to the match. Stuff of dreams for for Harry Rudder. Uh, for me, this is coming a long time. I think Bally Gunner have been knocking on the door for, for long enough. They've been getting the Munster Club finals. Um, you know, there's, it's well stated now that their dominance in Waterford hurling. Uh, and I think they've got their just awards uh, Saturday. And I think it's going to have a massive, massive uh, knock-on effect for, for Waterford hurling going forward. Uh, you know, I suppose from a Bally Gunner point of view, great credit has to go to him. Um <clears throat> Great team performance. I thought Barry Cochran was excellent. King Kenny was was excellent. Corner back, you know, and then they have that. They have the killer up front. I mean, Hutchinson. What can you say about him? Uh, he's just a real predator, a real killer inside. And uh, I think, you know, all in all, I think uh, a great day for Bally Gunner. But look, I think you got to give great credit to uh, to Bally Hale as well. Uh, I thought the reads were. Were unbelievable. I thought TJ Reeves. I mean, what more can we say about him? Thirty-four years of age. I thought he was. He was. Uh, I thought he was brilliant on the day, and I think they. They they can feel you know that they put in a good shift uh, the weekend, and look, they're coming off the back of a, a remarkable run. They were going for three in a row, and what a club! Uh, but you know, with Bally Gunners Day, and you know, I'm conscious of. I'm conscious of the the, the praise. That I, that I give Bally Gunner because from 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 our own point of view, you know, De La Salish at home, we've 30 lads training at home now, looking to try and take Bally Gunner down now. And look, they've they've an attractable target on their back now. I think it's great for Waterford Holland. We've got the All Ireland champions, you know, who are going to be competing in the Waterford Championship. And albeit they're going for nine in a row, I think it's great for all the other clubs uh, that you know they have that attractable target on their back. Yeah, John, I know a few years ago you said if Waterford won in All-Ireland, you'd ride naked on a horse down the main street. I don't know if that was Club All-Ireland as well or, or just Inter-County. <laughs> well, that was five years ago. I have a 15-year-old daughter at home now, and she's going on 16, and I have a wife. And uh, I think that was five years ago. I'm well warned now that that, <laughs> that won't be happening. I don't, I don't think I'll have a wife to go home to. or uh, <laughs> don't need a 16-year-old daughter now or the, 11-year-old daughter leaves that happen. So uh, I think that that's, uh, yeah. that ship as well sailed. We'll leave you off on that one then. Uh, Vincent, you know, it, it, the kind of finale is kind of almost emblematic of, of the new waterford Kilkenny power structure in a way. You know, we, we saw the All-Ireland semi-final a few years ago when Waterford roared back and, and, and took down Kilkenny. And then even at club level now, they have the belief to go on, like as John mentioned, Harry Ruddle's phenomenal goal to snatch the game at the end. That's something we're used to seeing from Kilkenny teams, even Ballyhale on this club run uh, so far this season. Yeah, we saw Bally Hale do it against St. Thomas's, for example, Will, with uh, that incredible late free from TJ. Um, I was just thinking on Saturday night, I, I want to be Harry Ruddle when I grow up because this, this is kind of Roy at the Rover stuff. And I think I heard Derek McGrath saying last night that uh, 
He was actually dropped last year for an intermediate championship game. So th this guy coming in at number 17 on his back and, you know, only a goal could rescue Ballygunner at that stage. And you're just thinking, my God, they're going to be so devastated to be so near and yet so far. And for him to have the courage to run from the halfway line, basically, and from maybe 30 yards out to hit this brilliant shot on the run. It, it was just it was just a, a magnificent story. Now, John is dead right. And, I, and I, I thought it was a really classy gesture on Twitter on Saturday night from, from Ballyhale congratulating Ballygunner. I, I think that's a, a measure of the, the type of club Ballyhale is. But I think for Waterford generally, this is a huge boost. They're in a good place anyway under Liam Cahill. And to have the Ballygunner lads going back in there, cock a hoop now, but particularly to have Desi Hutchinson going back in. I think he's a game changer for Waterford Hurling right now. He's one of the best forwards in the country. And to go into an All-Ireland final with so much expectation on his shoulders and to deliver the performance he delivered, Will, that's a massive, massive thing. Yeah, Michael, and do you think that like it can maybe liberate other Waterford players as well? I know they mightn't have been involved in this triumph, but that the knowledge that an All-Ireland is possible. Totally. And you have this winning mentality, this Ballygunner winning mentality coming into the dressing room. Don't think they've been up, no Waterford team have been up the Hogan stand steps since 1959. Now, all of a sudden, you have, uh, you have Parik Matany, Desi Hutchison come back in with their chests out. Uh, I think that will get, can only give um, a load of their teammates confidence as well. And, you know, it's not as if, like, at the end of last year, Limerick looked totally unbeatable. But Waterford were definitely the second best team in the country. Now, all of a sudden, there's looks like there's some chinks maybe in Limerick's armour and Waterford only getting better. Then you, you throw in the fact that Liam Cattle obviously uh, thinks that Waterford have a better chance of winning All-Ireland, you think, than his native Tipperary, or he, he could be Tipperary manager at this stage. There's a lot of things after happening in the last couple of months that would give Waterford huge confidence. And ju just on the game the other day, I, I was shaking for about half an hour after the match. It was just, I've never seen a finish like that. That was, you know, that was the Seamus Derby moment of, of club hurling, of, you know, the club game in general, I'd say. Just unbelievable. I saw a small bit of criticism for, for Dean Mason in the Ballyhale goal, which I think is totally unfounded. Just a brilliant finish. And as John would tell you, it bounced, you know, four or five yards in front of the goal. He's so hard to save, uh, save it. And if you actually look at the behind-the-scenes footage, Desi Hutchinson is so good, so good. He's in the middle of the goal as Harry Ruddle is running down. He just vacates that middle, takes Darren Mullen and another defender with him, actually opens the space for Ruddle to take the shot. And like, if you're going to beat Kilkenny, if you're going to beat Barry Hale, don't give them time to hit you back. It was literally the last puck of the game. Um, it was just phenomenal. And just to see the outpouring of emotion and see the scenes in, in Waterford City last night um, was unbelievable. And I think it can only give confidence to Waterford. I, 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 you know, there's plenty of confidence there already, but this could be the sort of thing that could really tip them over the edge. If it's not this year, maybe next year. Yeah, and even listening to the Ballyhale manager speak after the game, just from their point of view, what a gutting way to, to lose a game, a shot from about 30, 30 yards. But hearty congratulations to Bally Gunner. Maybe moving towards the, the league action then over the weekend, Vincent. I know you were at the game of probably the biggest game of the weekend in some ways, Tipperary, Kilkenny, a last or a late gas point for Jason Ford. You know, an important win, do you think, for Tipperary early in the, the days of Colin Bonner's tenure? Yeah, I think it was important for Colm particularly because it was very clear at the, the end of the game, Will, that the crowd were very much on the team's side. And, and they were on the team's side because what they'd seen, it wasn't, it wasn't a very high quality game. I'd actually have to say the first half was very, very poor. And, and 
Kilkenny's striking of the ball, which is something you very seldom see with Kilkenny teams, was really, really poor. And I think they had 10 wides in that first half. And then, of course, Owen Murphy's uh, puck out that goes straight to Dennis Maher, who sets up Jake Morris in injury time to give Tip a six-point lead. But that, that six-point lead was gone within 13 minutes of the resumption. And you thought, with the wind, Kilkenny will just drive on now. What we saw from Tip was just really hard work, lads putting their bodies on the line and sticking to this new game plan that they're trying to do, the Limerick game plan, the Waterford game plan of possession-based working the ball out through the lines and not abandoning that. And of course, they were able to bring in Ronan Marr then who got this fantastic point from under the Canaan stand and Jamie Callanan came in. And it was just a real, honest, hard-working performance from Tip. I wouldn't be putting them up as potential contenders for anything at the moment. But what I would say is for Colin Bonner, that team worked their socks off yesterday and it was, it was a big result for him. Yeah, John, what do you make of, you know, Tipperary's game plan? You know, Colin Bonner spoke a lot after the game about how it's requiring bravery on behalf of the players to kind of play this style of play, maybe having been used to maybe a more direct style in, in the past. Yeah, I concur with, uh, with Vincent there. I was at the game. I was thoroughly disappointed with the, with the first half performance of, of, of both sides. I thought, you know, in, in, in contrast to the game Saturday night, physicality-wise, intensity-wise, I just thought it wasn't there. I thought it was kind of that challenge game, uh, you know, presence in, in that first half. But, you know, Tipperary, they're trying something different. You know, we've, we've seen it in the past, seen it in the past, that, you know, them going long, you know, their traditional team, and it's, 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 it's failed. I wouldn't say it's failed probably in the last year or two. And they're, look, they're looking in from the outside, looking in now. They're looking at Limerick. They're looking at the Waterford. And they're saying, look, we've got, we've got to change it up. And yesterday, there was moments in the game where it was breaking down and the crowd were getting on their back. But, you know, as Vincent uh, alluded to there, they stuck at it. They didn't uh, go away from it. Um, and look, it's going to be work in progress. You're probably going to see an awful lot more of it within the next three games. And hopefully, come, come April, uh, They'll, they'll, they'll have it off to a tee. Yeah, Michael, like, what's your assessment of where Tipperary are at? I know we talked a bit about them last week and maybe some of the transitional elements of, of what they might be facing into this year. But, you know, having seen them now play two weekends in a row, like what, what, what's your kind of read on them? Yeah, I, I do think at the moment they're back in the chasing pack um, and the game plan they're playing at the moment will require a lot of perseverance and there will be annoyance at times, I'd say as well, because as the lads say there, Tip are used to playing uh, maybe more traditional, maybe a bit more long, but if, if you look at the, you know, even the size profile of the Tipperary forward line, I just don't think that suits Tip anymore. They have more mobile kind of wristy players um, I think it suits them to play through the lines. I think it suits them to play this 20, 30 yard pass and out around the middle and give a nice measured ball inside. So while there will be a bit of short term pain with it, I do think long term, that's the way they should be going. Like if you're looking at players like, you know, Paddy Carell out of the middle of the field, Alan Flynn, um, that's their game. 20, 30 yard passes and work it into uh, Jason Ford, who they managed to get into space um, so many times yesterday. Now, that's probably another question for Kilkenny, why he was left in so much space. But it, it is a work in progress. I, you know, I, I don't think they'll be winning the All-Ireland this year. I'm not even sure if they'll be in around the All-Ireland final. I think just probably getting out a Munster, which is an absolute shark tank this year, is the number one goal. But like, if you look at it, you know, a month ago, we were talking about Tipperary being beaten by Kerry uh, in senior Hurlem for the first time ever. Now they have two wins in a row. Okay, what didn't blow anyone away against Leash? 
and probably didn't blow anyone away yesterday. But just even getting the result, I think it's it was important for Colin Bonner not to keep you know people off his back, but just to build the momentum that okay, we're playing this new game plan, but we're still getting we're still getting results. And uh, with two wins from two now, you know they have a fair chance of uh, it's probably between themselves, Dublin. And Waterford for getting out of that Division One Group B, so I think they'll be happy enough for where uh, where they are at the moment. And I and I and I also think going going off of what what I, what I witnessed yesterday, I think you know we've become accustomed with both these sides that the last ten years that they're both going to be in the last the both teams are nearly going to be in the semi final stages most years. And I think a target for both these teams this year, a realistic target, would be getting to the semi final. And I'd, I'd nearly go along the prediction route of. Neither both, neither both of these teams will be in the semi-final this year. I think one out of possibly the two of them um, will, 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 will fall short. Yeah, Vincent, what do you make of where Kilkenny are at, like, even in today's Irish Independent, Eamon Sweeney riding that, you know, will Kilkenny regret not, you know, moving for Henry Shefflin when maybe he was available, pointing to, you know, what happened in Tyrone when Mickey Hart left and the new manager bounced ultimately got them over the line, you know. Obviously, we've had the same conversation, I think, every year uh, about Brian Cody and, and whether it's time for a change. But there will be that element of, of pressure or scrutiny given the presence of such a legendary player up the road in Galway. There's no doubt about that, Will. And, and I think it's a, a debate that's clearly been going on within Kilkenny itself. But, you know, you can't escape the fact that Kilkenny have won back-to-back Leinster titles, um, you know, at a time when everybody accepts their talent pool is nowhere near what it used to be. Now, I do think they're struggling. I think the likes of the Billy Ryans of this world have been there for a good few years and, and they need to step up to the mark with consistent performances. And I don't think they've been getting that from players like him. John Donnelly yesterday, John Donnelly's first attempt at a free yesterday, he, he completely mishit the ball, nearly missed the ball. Uh, Kean Kenny, one of the better players who came in in midfield yesterday, almost fell over with it, with his lift for a free in the second half. So most on Kilkenny-like stuff that we were seeing, he, Hugh Lawler went back to fullback and was absolutely majestic. That's a really interesting one with Conor Delaney injured because does, does, Hugh Lawler has been playing centre-back. I think, you know, we're looking at Ballyhale lads coming back. TJ, even at 34, is capable of winning games on his own. But beyond that, maybe Owen Cody... Uh, Adrian Mullins seems to have stagnated a little. So Kilkenny wouldn't we want to be kind of saying, well, when we get the Ballyhale lads back, everything will be all right. I think they've the work cut out. They're very like tip at the moment. They're in a transitional phase. The debate about Cody, I think it'll really gather heat if they have a bad championship this year. But for now, back-to-back Leinster champions with such a shallow pool of talent, I think he's doing okay. Yeah, and Michael, like even moving Patrick Walsh into centre forward is an interesting move as well. You know, it, it, like what what what's kind of your read on that that move? I think it's a needs must kind of at the moment. Will like they are shorn of forwards. Like if you look at, they're missing half of their six forwards in TJ, Adrian Mullen, and Owen Cody, um, like three of their better forwards. So, and they have probably maybe a surplus of backs. And I think Brian probably realised that he's going to be missing the Ballyhale guys for at least probably the first three games. Maybe one of them might come in for, for the round three game, but they're going to miss them for over half of the league. So he needs to look at something different. But then when the Ballyhale guys come back, will Park Walsh go back? Brian is not one to make a, a somewhat radical change and then go back on it a couple in a couple of weeks' time. Um, so 
I, it's a kind of a needs must at the moment, but I'd say. I'd say at the moment, I'd say Parik Walsh should be staying in the forward line. If Brian Cody's history would suggest anything, it's that he's he doesn't really make radical changes like that um, without thinking of the long term picture. So I'd say he'd probably stay in the forward line. And he was one obviously one of their better players yesterday and was very elusive. I think he clipped four points yesterday. Um, so that was you know a rare enough bright spot. And as what Vinny said there, there's some really on Kilkenny like things like. Keen Kenny, who was very good in fairness, that free was very just very strange. A lot of kind of weird kind of happenings yesterday. But one thing is for sure, when it comes to championship, regardless of their deficiencies of or maybe a lack of a talent pool at senior level, it would still be unbelievably competitive and still be unbelievably hard to beat. And it's kind of funny that they're going for a hat-trick in Leinster this year. And we're talking about whether the manager should be there or not. I suppose that's just the standards that 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 Kilkenny are based on, and Cody is based on. And as you said, the pressure with with Henry going up the road has just really, really ramped up from within Kilkenny to lose one of their own, and who would be who is is seen as the natural successor to Brian. And I, that just creates all sorts of questions of you know, just say if Brian does go at the end of this year, is Henry committed to Galway then, and will they get somebody? Will the successor then be someone uh, that's a little bit down the the radar a small bit. So I think there is a small bit of unrest in Kilkenny, but it'd be fairly easy quiet in that if they can get another Leinster title and get in around the last four again. Yeah, and as you say, it's such an interesting subplot to watch how it develops over the course of the season. And John, from Henry Shefflin's perspective and from Galway's perspective, two wins from two to start his life uh, in the National League with, with Galway. What, did you, what kind of jumped out to you in their win over Limerick? As you said, you thought the intensity was a lot higher in that game than it was in Kilkenny-Tipperary. What, what stood out to you in terms of impressing you from Galway's victory? Yeah, well, we touched on it last week, I suppose. You know, when Galway exited the championship last year to Waterford, they were uh, bereft of ideas out around the middle of the third. Uh, they lacked energy, lacked intensity. You know, in contrast to Saturday night, I thought there was massive energy out there around the middle of the third, massive intensity. Uh, and I think he's, had the, he's going to honour a couple of players in the league. I think it's great to see Thomas Monan back. You know, Ronan Glennon was, was, was very good in, good in mid and I think that's going to be the, the key area for for uh, for uh, Henry going forward. Fintan Burke was 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 excellent half back. They really went really manned up the weekend, um, and you know Limerick don't don't seem to frighten uh, Galway. You know over the years they've got they've gone mano mano with uh, with uh, with Limerick, um, and there was an awful lot of positive signs there for for, for Galway Saturday night. Limerick on the other hand. Uh, I don't think John Kiley will hit the panic button just yet. You know, as we've seen last year, you know, they played Galway up in, up in Salt Hill. They got beaten by six points in May. They lost lost to Waterford uh, a week later. Now they're down after losing their first two games. You know, the likelihood is that they possibly mightn't win the league this year. But I don't think Kiley will, will uh, hit the panic button just, just yet. It looks like a team to me now that looks, you know, like they're in a heavy phase of, uh, of of training um, and you know on, on Carroll Hegarty I think uh, you know he's played the first two two games and you know we've we've seen it with Limerick they seem to be changing up their team week on week so I don't think Garrod Hegarty will be a, will be much of a loss for the next game because I'd say the likelihood was that he was going to be rested up anyway anyway you know it's amazing though Will as much as we big Limerick up like look at the first two games uh, we say how you know how deep their squad is? How good their starting fifteen is? You take Keen Lynch out of the starting fifteen. They looked like they had a, like they had looked like they were missing a spark the other night, big time. 
Um, and Willow Dunne, who went off early the other night as well, who's crucial around that engine room where Galway got on top. So, like, I think, like, with Peter Casey missing, and he could be back for the latter stages of Munster, the All-Ireland, but, you know, very rarely does a lad just come back in and it'd be a seamless transition. So I think they're they're kind of treading a thin enough line on, you know, picking up a, a big injury or two or a big suspension or two during that Munster campaign. So, you know, while they're heavy favourites to win the All-Ireland, I definitely don't think the chasing back uh, pack will be as frightened maybe as they were uh, looking in at the All-Ireland final last August. Yeah, because, you know, Michael's point there, but then at the same time, as John mentioned, they had a very similar start to the league last year. And then once they finally hit their straps, they obliterated all the competition. Like, is there anything you've gleaned from the opening two weekends that, to Michael's point, would give hope to the chasing pack? No, I'm I'm very reluctant to draw any strong conclusions, Will, because I was in Salt Hill last May when Galway stood up to Limerick physically and beat them. And it was I think that was I think I'm right in saying that was Limerick's first defeat in a competitive match in something like 659 days, going right back to that 2019 semi-final defeat by Kilkenny. So and we read a lot into it, and what we read mostly was that yes, Galway were the team that could go at them. They had the physical presence. And they had the hurlers to do it. And then what happened? Galway in the championship. They just did not turn up. It was extraordinary. And I remember looking at them in the, in the Leinster championship game against Dublin. And the second water break, they're in real trouble. And I was really surprised watching Shane O'Neill. He didn't speak to the players. He seemed to leave it to the players themselves. Now, the one thing you can rest assured, that will never happen with Henry Shefflin. I agree with everything the lads have said about Galway on Saturday night, they had, they had this intensity about them. And when Galway bring that intensity, they have the physical size to make it count. But I can't escape going back to what we saw in the championship last year and specifically going back to the first half of the All-Ireland final and that 3-18 that Limerick nailed Cork with, nailed them with. And I remember doing a radio thing about half an hour before that match started and, and the other pundit on it was a Cork person. And the Cork confidence going into that game, I found staggering because this person, they said, listen, whether Cork win or not today, we know what's coming. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that is Corkness at its zenith. And then you saw what Limerick did to them. I agree with what uh, Michael says, Keen Lynch, is, in my opinion, the most valuable hurler in the country. He wasn't there on Saturday night, but the guy who was at number 11, Cahill O'Neill, who's just, I think he was doing his leaving cert last year, stood up big time and scored four points from play. I still think that Limerick, uh, and I think, I, again, I think John might be right. I suspect they're in a heavy training load at the moment and they're looking to get it right for a championship that, let's be honest, is coming earlier this year than it's ever done before. They've had two defeats in the league. I don't think winning the league is what matters to Limerick this year. Because bear in mind, the All-Ireland will be over on July 17. So if you're looking to win your fourth All-Ireland in five years, which I think Limerick will be focusing on, that will be their priority. Yeah, and, 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 and Vincent, they've got, they've got their time spot on the last, over the course of the last, what, 12, 18 months. So, so who are we even to question you know, Kenork or, or the, the S&C coach. I mean, you, you, you know, you go back to last year where they won the All-Ireland in in, uh, in December and they timed their run 
you know, just just to perfection. And I think that's what's that's what's going to happen again this this year. I think they're going to time their run. You know, they they hit the ground running in April. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and interestingly, their next game is at home to Cork, a rematch of that All-Ireland final. And you're going to be sure that Cork will want to maybe make a statement considering how that final went. So it'll be an interesting encounter for sure. Galway, meanwhile, play Wexford, Michael, next time out. The Battle of the Unbeatens after another very impressive victory for Wexford away to Clare, 220 to 120. Kind of similar to Henry Sheffield, Dara Egan started life, you know, very strongly as Wexford manager. It, it, what are they doing differently to what they did under Davy, in your opinion? Yeah, uh, well, Dara Egan has got that same uh, bounce at the start of his uh, tenure as Davy did in 2017, and he's had the public behind him straight away. I thought that was a really tricky fixture for them yesterday, and a great result to get. I just, I just think there's a massive amount of energy about them. I was looking at them just coming out of defence. It was, it was in no way ponderous. They were full of energy. I, it was, it was Wexford, you know, 2017. It was Wexford 2019. There was runners everywhere. The stick passing was slick. I don't know if you could say that last year uh, or even the year before that as well. It was a bit ponderous. It was a bit slow. It was a bit lateral at times as well. Because I just thought there was huge energy. Um, and key to it as well, particularly in the first half, uh, we've all seen how good Rory O'Connor can be. It's just a matter of getting that sustained brilliance over the course of a game, over the course of a couple of games, over the course of a season. They managed to give, you know, really sympathetic ball to him yesterday. Lovely ball, flicking ball into space for him uh, in, out to the wing. And, he, you know, he just gave Paul Flanagan a bit of a torrid time. He was tied down a bit in the second half. But at that stage, he had 1-4 on the board. I think he's crucial for them. I don't think any of us could have predicted that Wexford would be able to do this in the league Beat beat uh, beat Limerick, even beat Clare without Lee Chin, and I think that's hugely promising for them. That other guys, that other guys are stepping up. The, the likes of like Charlie McGuckin's not gonna he's not gonna score one five in the scoreboard, but by God, he will do some amount of work and give lovely ball into the inside forwards. Even Jack O'Connor, um, who's kind of been knocking around for a good while and showed bits and pieces of brilliance, but maybe not sustained kind of consistency he's been brilliant as well this year even been on the freeze uh, seems to give him a bit more confidence as well so I just think it's an energy thing from a from a Wexford point of view and obviously they have you know a very very high profile backroom team with Billy Walsh in around the scene with Gordon Darcy in around the scene Niall Corcoran who was obviously there under in Davies last year as well um, and they'll, they'll want not they'll want nothing in preparation in terms of what Dara Egan will bring to the table too so just an energy for me Will really just a you know, real um, always trying to make things happen, always trying to be positive. That's just what looks that's what looks different at the moment, anyway. And I don't think Darren Egan could have wished for a better start than getting two wins on the board. People were getting worried after the Walsh Cup beaten to to Dublin by sixteen points, and now all of a sudden there's a serious optimism down the sunny southeast. Yeah, but it's interesting because it felt like towards the end of Davy Fitzgerald's tenure that maybe they had maxed out in 2019, getting so close to the All Ireland final appearance and setting up a potential rematch with Kilkenny, who they'd beaten already in the campaign. But as Michael said, sometimes that bit of freshness, the, the new voice, as we saw in Tyrone, was mentioned earlier, it can be can be vital. Yeah, and, and bear in mind, well, they weren't a million miles off it last year. They they really probably looked like they were going to beat Kilkenny in, in in extra time. We had the Hawkeye. The Hawkeye goal thing, um, and then they left themselves with a mountain to climb against Clare in, in, in the qualifiers. I think Dara Egan seems to have just picked it up seamlessly from what Davy was doing. I see where he was talking about they're not they haven't thrown out, you know, Davy's style. They've tried to mix it up a bit. I think in Rory O'Connor they have a generational talent, 
But also, I, I felt in recent years, Conor McDonald, who's a great target man, I felt he's been too isolated. And, and this is something I get the impression that Wexford are trying to do. They're trying to get more support up to Conor McDonald this year. It's a magnificent start to the league for them. And I think it's, um, it's something that Dara Egan can build on now. Wexford, you know, I, I sometimes think we dismiss them too easily. You know, they went down to Cusick Park and won in Ennis yesterday, or, or last year as well. This is their second time in, in a row going down to Ennis and beating them. And I know a lot is made about Clare at the moment missing uh, Tony Kelly, missing Peter Duggan hasn't come back yet after two, two years in Australia, missing Shane O'Donnell, missing Aidan McCarthy, who was probably Clare's best player last year. Um, but Wexford went down to Ennis last year and beat them when Kelly and McCarthy were playing. So... We, we, we probably need to start giving this group of Wexford players more credit for what they've achieved with their 2019 Leinster Championship win under Davy and what they're achieving now where they're really clearly enjoying life under Dara Egan. And John, what, what of Clare, as Vincent mentioned there, they have some very high-profile players who are absent at the moment, so it's obviously going to be difficult to hit your top form, but with two defeats from two so far, like where do you think they are in the pecking order? Yeah, as Vincent alluded to there, I mean, it's, it's very hard to, to judge Clare, you know, when you consider, you know, the personnel that the army is, you know, they are big, big names for, for Clare. You know, you think of, you know, Shane O'Donnell, you know, Duggan, and, you know, you think of uh, of Tony Kelly. Those are big, big guys to come back, and, and Aidan McCarty, you know, that you put the four of them lads back into the starting 15, you know, that really, really strengthens up your, uh, your, your, your starting 15. But I think... You know, it's, it's hard to judge them now, you know, considering going back to last year's league campaign, they had a couple of tricky results. Uh, but look, there's, there's no dispute. And I think come, come the Munster Championship, um, it's, it's going to be a tall, tall order for them, you know, considering that where Limerick are at, where Waterford are at at the moment, you know, Cork are building. I think, you know, if you are to go on, you know, the, the Munster five at the moment, they probably are in around probably four or five along, along, with, along with Tipperary. So, Look, it's 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 going to be probably for the remainder of the league. It's go, it's going to be difficult for them to pick up pick up a couple of results. But I think Brian Lone, a bit like John Coyley, I don't think he hit the panic button just yet, knowing you know what he has to come back. Um, and look, as we've seen in the past, Cusick Park, it's a tough venue to go to. Uh, and I think you know they'll really earmark trying to win those two home games in the Monster Championship, give Manny give Manny a hope going forward uh, throughout the course of the summer. Just on that, Will, like Clare in a very similar position to Kilkenny in that they're missing, you know, more than half of their forward line. So maybe that's one of the reasons why we're seeing John Conlon being rerouted back up to the forward line again. They have plenty of defenders at the moment, but they're just probably lacking attackers. Uh, maybe that just kind of the real depth to their attack. But in fairness, there definitely has been a couple of bright spots. Mark Rogers has stepped up the last two games. Shane Means a really exciting talent as well. Um, but when you're missing Aidan McCarthy, Tony Kelly... Uh, Peter Duggan, Shane O'Donnell, yeah, you are probably going to struggle, struggle up top. So be interesting to see whether Conlon stays up there now as well. Uh, we probably maybe criticised the decision to move him centre back last year, but it definitely turned out uh, turned out to be success. So interesting to see whether he's back up at the edge of the square or long term now as well. Just on yeah, Aidan McCarthy, is is Aidan McCarthy a long term injury or is it short term? Is, is, will he be, will he be back, Aidan McCarthy? Uh, he's under a bit of pressure anyway. It was a it was a hamstring um, a hamstring tendon injury. Uh, that he carried through the, the Clare club campaign with Ina Kilnamona and even playing football with Kilmurray at Bricken. So he definitely won't be seeing any league action from the vibes I'm getting anyway. And 
they, you know, the nature of how close league is to championship, it's all grand saying, oh, we have them, you know, back fit or back able to play. But whether you're able to play four games in six weeks and be up to the level he was at last year, that's a worry as well. And even with Shane O'Donnell and with Tony Kelly and with Peter Duggan, having them back is 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 grand, but you want them back and near 100%. And that's anything but certain at this stage, given how condensed the championship is to the league. Mm. And just to finish up, maybe Vincent, I'll go to you for the last word. The other games of the weekend, you Dublin, narrow win over Antrim, just four points, a couple of missed opportunities for Antrim, Waterford giving Leash a, a pretty big beating, 731 to 19 points, and then Cork beating Offaly 425 to 115. Anything from those three games in particular jumping out at you? Well, I, I think Dublin will be very happy to get out of Corrigan Park with the, with the points. Uh, tough place to go. And, um, you know, I, I think they've started this year really well, winning the Walsh Cup and getting that draw with Waterford in Parnell Park. I, I think that was a good result for both of them. Um, so I think, and Matty Kenny obviously couldn't travel because his, his mother uh, sadly passed away. But Dublin, to me, are, are in a pretty decent place at the moment. And, you know, we've never doubted in recent years their defence. Defensively, they're as good as anyone in the country. But I think they're starting to get it right up front. I think Ronan Hayes um, can be a big player for them this year. Fergal Whiteley is playing the best hurling of his, his life. Danny Sutcliffe is showing signs of his best form coming. And, of course, Donald Burke can score for, for fun from any distance. So I'll be very interested in watching Dublin in the Leinster Championship this year because it's really doggy dog this year that to get in those top three places is the minimum requirement really so that you can get into a, a preliminary All-Ireland quarter final, And that's going to be very, very difficult in both Munster and Leinster. Um, as for, you know, the, the, the Waterford Leash game, I mean, for Waterford, put up 731 shows you the ruthlessness that Liam Cahill is trying to instill in this group. And that was fa fairly brutal what they did to Leash. And then of course, uh, poor Al Offaly and Michael could speak on this maybe, you know, their misfortune is to be in that group. But I think what Michael Fennelly is looking for is probably a performance before this, this league ends. Uh, two goals, hit by two goals by Cork in the first three minutes or something. Very hard to come back from that. But I think there's a lot of good work going on in, in Offaly. I, I, I saw them in the, in the Walsh Cup against, against Galway in Ballinasloe and I was very pleasantly surprised by a lot of their hurling in that. Owen Cahill is some hurler. We saw the goal he got against Cork yesterday. Um, look, the likes of Antrim... Leash and Offaly are going to have tough times in this league, but it's what they learn from it. I think that's going to stand to them. Getting a win will be very difficult, but we saw it last year. Leash and Westmead lost all of their games in the league, but it's all about experience. Mm. Yeah, Michael, maybe the last word for you then, just on Offaly. You know, it's going to be a tough campaign, as Vincent said, but hopefully you might come out of it with a couple of positives heading into the John McDonough. No, it definitely is going to be tough. Um, Michael Fenley was just talking about yesterday, but like, they're in the same position as Westmead were in in 2021, and Westmead shipped... I think you know. I think it was five twenty-seven, five thirty-four, massive scores. Like we've conceded four twenty-five, four twenty-two. We've put up what is it, one fifteen yesterday. Um, it just it's the speed of uh, it's the speed of the hurling. You just don't get away with making mistakes. You know where you were able to take a touch last year in the Christie Ring. You just can't take a touch. You're just swallowed up and. Yeah, they just got off to a horrible start in Borough yesterday. Uh, it was two goals inside three minutes, as Vince, Vincent mentioned, 60 seconds later. Cork had another goal disallowed. Um, it's just not the start you want to get off to. Offaly probably started negatively, started with a sweeper that they wouldn't be accustomed to, went back a bit more orthodox maybe after the first quarter. But they are going, they are going to struggle uh, in the short term. That's just the nature of it. One thing I'd say about Cork is 
they got the opportunity to go for the throat early yesterday. And from their point of view, the fact that they were just so gung-ho going for goals, they could have had seven or eight of them yesterday, that's probably a, a promising sign for them as well. Uh, they haven't really traditionally been uh, a winter team uh, playing well in these conditions. And it'd be interesting. John said in his column a couple of weeks ago that the Cork would probably target the Limerick game. Now you, you have a Cork team with two wins going in against a Limerick team with no wins. They'd really get a chance just to dig the knife in ever so slightly into Limerick for later on in the year. So I think that fixture takes even more importance in two weeks' time. And just when the lads are talking there, I, I know it's a bit away, but like four into three doesn't go in Leinster and five into three doesn't go in Munster. So the summer is going to be, it's going to be an absolutely spectacular summer. And the, the, the big four in Leinster, somebody's going to miss out. And it could be the similar scenario as we had in 2019, where it comes down to, you know, the last minute, jumping between two fixtures, the last minute, and it's going to be the same in Munster. So I, for one, can't wait for it. It's going to be brilliant. Yeah, and, and like, like if you were to pick a winner now, just just the two you, you, yourself and Vincent of the National League, I know we're only in the in the round two. Who would you think would 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 be possibly best best equipped to go on and, and and win the league? I I would I would go for Waterford, John. I think there's something about Waterford. There's a ruthlessness in them that I was saying under under Liam. Tyg de Borca coming back is such a lift psychologically for the group. Um, I really think there's, there's, there's an edge to this Waterford team and you know it was mentioned earlier that Liam's decision not to go back to his native county there was an assumption in tip that he would take over from Liam Sheedy I think it was a big big decision for him to say no I actually like what I have in this group and I think for those Waterford players they've taken an awful lot from that decision as well and you know Bally Gunner coming back cock a hoop I, I think if I was picking a team it would be Waterford I think John asked the question because he didn't want to give the answer, but we'll give the answer for him. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd be going for Waterford as well. And I think Waterford and Liam Cattle and the lads down there, I think they'll be trying to strike while the iron is hot. Um, and they'll have towards the latter stages of the, of the league. Like they can probably afford uh, being in Group 1B to let the Ballygunner lads really enjoy this success. Now there's a two-week break. They probably The Ballygunner lads probably come back in, some of them maybe for the round four game and maybe a few more for round five. Then they'll have them all back on board, I would think, for a league semi-final, which I'd expect them to get into. But I think, yeah, I think the stakes are probably highest for a team like Waterford. There's only, you know, there's only a couple of titles you can win a year. Why not go for the league? Why not really, you know, get a national title under your belt and, you know, really have that spring in your step? There's not six weeks between the league and Munster anymore. There's, you know, three, four, max. Why not just keep that momentum rolling? And I think they'll really go gung-ho for the league. They're one of the, the few teams that would get an awful lot out of it. You'd say a Waterford or a Wexford would get an awful lot from winning the league. Well, plenty to look forward to over the next couple of weeks and a couple of good games as well to look forward to. But for now, Michael, Vincent, John, thanks so much for joining me. That's all we have time for this week on the Throne Podcast in association with Allianz. We'll be back next week with another show. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. It's 30 years of Allianz supporting the leagues and we're not done yet. Only the leagues, only the Allianz leagues.